Lead to Win is brought to you by Leaderbox, a monthly reading experience curated by leaders for leaders. Learn more at leaderbox.com. In your lifetime, you will utter more than 860 million words, the equivalent of speaking the entire text of the 20-volume Oxford English Dictionary nearly 15 times. What do those words add up to? What is the effect of your words on other people? on yourself. What are you accomplishing with your words? On March 4th, 1865, the American Civil War was within days of completion. Abraham Lincoln stood on the steps of the Capitol building and spoke these words. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and a lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Lincoln's second inaugural address has been described as being, quote, among the handful of semi-sacred texts by which Americans conceive their place in the world. This speech, perhaps more than anything else, united a nation reeling from years of bloody conflict and set its course for the 20th century. Words can create. They can also destroy. In 1899, a largely unknown communist agitator named Vladimir Lenin composed his first major writing, The Development of Capitalism in Russia. The book was a success, despite the fact that Lenin had no training in economics and that Russia had an agrarian, not a capitalist economy at the time. For nearly two decades, Lenin continued to write. Though he was born to a middle-class family, he cast himself as the hero of the working class. Despite the fact that he had never marched in the streets or been in any real confrontation, he incited others to violent opposition to the government. He viewed the pen as an instrument of war and urged his readers to arm themselves with revolvers, bombs, knives, and rags soaked in kerosene, then to beat up and kill their rivals. Lennon dealt brutally with his detractors in print also, practicing a kind of scorched earth journalism. One historian described his literary style this way, intolerant, sarcastic, correct about everything, and hell-bent on having the last word. Lennon was a master troll, king of the flame war. Lenin wanted to recreate the world according to his vision. The tools of his trade were alternative facts, incendiary provocation, mocking, derision, sarcasm, and arguments that had no basis in logic or reality. And he succeeded. On October 25, 1917, Bolshevik forces began the communist revolution in Russia, which put Lenin's violent language into flesh and blood terms. More than 400,000 were killed in the Civil War, and as many as 70 to 100 million more died as a series of communist dictators translated Lenin's incendiary rhetoric into action. Every word has power. A leader's words have even greater power. What are you accomplishing with your words? Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work 
succeed at life, and lead with confidence. And in this episode, we're talking about the power of your words to create a better future for you and your team. As leaders, we all want to see forward movement, but negative speech in the form of grumbling, complaining, or criticism can undo years of progress. Based on years of shaping the culture of organizations, we'll show you three key principles to ensure that your words have a positive effect on your organization and yourself. When we're done, you'll be able to avoid sabotaging yourself and others with negative speech, and you'll gain the ability to motivate your team to reach their most ambitious goals. Okay, so I'm excited about it too, but before we dive into this fascinating topic, I'd like to ask you guys a favor. If you're enjoying this program, would you please share it with others? The simplest way to do that is to leave a review, and it's super simple. Just go to michaelhyatt.com slash review it. You can do this in less than two minutes, I promise. Thanks so much. So, Dad, those two examples in the opener today were really stunning. Talk about putting it in sharp relief. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, words have the power to create, and it's something we all intuitively know. Yeah. Uh, in fact, in our faith tradition, we talk about God creating by the word. I mean, he spoke it, and then it happened. And our words also really shape the future. Yeah. We often, though, kind of downplay the significance of our words versus those of others. I think, we, you know, it's like we kind of put a lot of importance on what other people say, but not so much on our own words, like they don't really matter that much. So many leaders don't believe their own words have power, but they do. Our thoughts become words, and those words influence actions. Yep. Author Ingrid Bengus wrote what has become a classic quote on this subject. She said, words are a form of action capable of influencing change. And that's true for each of us. And we need to grapple with the gravity of that. Okay, so you've got three principles to apply here, and together they form this feedback loop that you've mentioned, thoughts to words and then actions. So what's the first principle? The first principle is that your thoughts become your words. So in other words, the things that you think become the things that you say. And this is probably self-evident, but before there can be words, there has to be a thought. And the sentence has to form in our head before it gets expressed in words. So for example, frustration becomes complaining. Grudges become insults. Powerlessness becomes sarcasm. But conversely, gratitude becomes thanks. Hope becomes encouragement. Delight becomes compliments. Yeah, you know, when we find ourselves speaking negatively, we should really interrogate that. Why am I doing this? We should ask ourselves. And it reminds me of that question I think that Brene Brown asks, which is, you know, what is the story I'm telling myself about fill in the blank? You know, that we unconsciously tell ourselves stories, usually negative ones, right. um, that can drive our lives if we're not careful and shape our lives. And this is a, a good way to become conscious of that. It's really another principle of self-awareness, I think. Yeah, I think for leaders, it it means that we have to kind of back this upstream to our thoughts. And yeah. that's where the battle is won or lost. And sometimes when we find things coming out of our mouth that are negative, uh, we need to back it up and say, what was the thought that produced that? Because what goes into our head is eventually going to be expressed. Yes. That's why we have to guard that kind of that seed idea um, apply this to your social media consumption and news media. So for example, you know, people think that they can consume pornography and it doesn't have any impact, doesn't hurt anybody else. Right. But it does. I mean, not only is there is the, the disrespect and the objectification of women, but in addition to that, it shapes a kind of thinking that often gets expressed 
in words and actions that are not healthy. Right. And worse. Absolutely. And conversely, when your thoughts are consumed with things that are constructive or edifying, then that gets expressed in your words and your words become edifying and constructive to others and to yourself. And you you build a whole life around that. And I think that's why, again, to emphasize the point, why we have to be very mindful as leaders about our thinking. Yes. You know, we just can't afford to just kind of let ourselves go and fantasize or tell ourselves untruths or anything else. I mean, because that mental environment is going to have an impact on what we express. And once it gets expressed, then it starts to impact other people. And in fact, as we'll see in a second, it impacts us. Well, it just made me think about self-awareness, which is something we talk a lot about, self-leadership and self-awareness is an aspect of self-leadership. And I think when we're talking about that, very often what we mean is how do your actions impact other people? You know, that's the the part of self-awareness that we talk about and that many leaders are unconscious of. But you, you almost, as you said a minute ago, you almost have to go upstream and say, not only how do your actions impact others, but how do your thoughts impact your words that impact your actions that mm-hmm. impact others that your your very thoughts themselves need to be in your conscious awareness so that you can shape them to really um, drive toward an intentional outcome rather than some kind of drifting passive place that you find yourself exactly so principle number one is pretty obvious thoughts become words I'm with you so far, but I have a feeling that this gets a little more complicated. So what's next? Yeah. So principle number two is that your words become your thoughts. That's kind of tricky because it's exactly opposite of what you think. It it seems like it would be the other way around only. Yeah. And the truth is it's both and. But this is a scientifically proven principle. You know, we may have a negative view of self-talk or positive affirmations. I know a lot of people do. But a positive affirmation is simply something you know to be true about yourself. And the research confirms that the words you speak affect how you think and feel. So one psychologist concluded that, quote, self-affirmations can have lasting benefits when they touch off a cycle of adaptive potential, a positive feedback loop. Now, psychologists are never, you know, will never say it in an easy way. (laughs) But all that's saying is that when you say it, it's going to have an impact on on your thinking. And that's why affirmations, not not the kind that affirms something that's, you know, crazy and out there, but something that's true. Right. Can have an impact on our thinking. Okay, I want to just draw a distinctive there because I think that's really important. There's kind of like I'm just going to be straight about it. There's kind of like this woo-woo affirmation thing that just sounds cheesy as all get out. And right. if you're, you know, if you're kind of like a serious leader and somebody starts talking to you about affirmations, you know, you feel like you should go start like burning the incense or something, you know, and that's not what we're talking about here, right? I mean, what we're really talking about is affirming what is already positively true about who you are and your identity, not like I am living in a mansion in Beverly Hills surrounded by piles of gold. I mean, that's not the kind right. of affirmation that we're talking about. Well, well, the problem is that we're always affirming things about ourselves yes. with our words and particularly with our thinking. For example, I was playing golf yesterday. Uh, with a friend of mine who hit a bad shot, and he said to himself out loud, you idiot, you always do that on this hole. Wow. Now, guess what happens? Because he affirms that every time we play, and every time we play that hole, guess what he does? He always thinks that, and he always that always results in that same action. Right. It's a way of programming. Now, he could say something different, and this would be an affirmation. He could say 
what is the truth is, wow, that wasn't a great shot, right? right? This is not an indicator that he, you know, has his predilection to always do poorly on this hole or on this particular shot. Mm-hmm. Or he could just ignore it and go on. Right. So it's not like this is um, something we're not familiar with. We're doing this all the time. Mm -hmm. And so we got to be very careful about what we're feeding our brain because our words have the power to rewire our brain. So again, be self-aware about the negative things you're saying and then choose to say something that's more constructive. Like, for example, we talked in a recent episode about your strategy when you speak, you know, that you you may have in uh, previous years really focused on being nervous, but now you say that your body is preparing for peak performance. That's a positive affirmation that's actually true, that's actually based in science around adrenaline and all that kind of stuff. But that has an infinitely more positive effect on the outcome of your speaking than it would if you just looped around all the negative things that could happen if it didn't go well. Totally. Right? But, but again, notice just to your point about not being woo-woo. Yeah. I'm affirming what's true. Exactly. Right? Because that is the truth. You know, adrenaline is a God-given thing that helps us perform better than we would without it. All right. So, Dad, you have been doing some version of, you know, positive self-talk for as long as I've known you. How do you go about doing that? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm aware you know, I'm aware of my thoughts. I'm not always aware. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times when I find myself saying uh, something rude or angry or mean, but most of the time I catch myself and go, what was I thinking, you know, right before that came out? And so one of the things I found too is that if I have a set of specific affirmations about a topic where I've been really intentional and thoughtful about writing those out, like, you know, we've used this example before, but, and you quoted me just a minute ago, but I have a set of affirmations that I use right before I step on stage. Can you tell me what those are? Yes. Hold, please. I got to pull them out. If if this were like a live stage show, I would do some sort of tap dancing right now. Which, by the way, I did this right before I walked on the stage at LeaderCast. This is just a few of the things that I say. There's a bunch of them here and I won't repeat all of them, but I say, for example, what I have to share today is vitally important. It matters to them, their loved ones, and to all the people they will eventually impact. And then I say, another one I said, I have the energy, the passion, and the message to make a huge impact now and for eternity. By God's grace, I'm prepared. My heart is wide open. I will connect and see transformation. Wow. I love that. So do you use affirmations like that in other areas of your life? I do. Yeah. So I have uh, some about my health, Mm -hmm. you know, that I repeat uh, because I want to affirm, you know, the value of exercising and moving and all these self-care things that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have a specific set on all the major categories of my life. So how does this sort of feedback loop that we're talking about become self-perpetuating? The more you control your thoughts, the more things are going to come out of your mouth that you like, <laughs> right. as opposed to you know being tripped up by your words and ending up in conflict with other people or something. And that support your values. And right? that support your values. I mean, you really kind of come into congruence in a way that if you're not paying attention, you don't. Right. And it's and it's a it's a learned art. I mean, this is not something you can just decide to do and then you you do it. But I think learning to control our thoughts and also be mindful about our words. Those are going to become mutually reinforcing and help one another. 
All right. So I have to pause and ask you a question because, you know, I really care a lot about authenticity. For those of you who are listening who are students of the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 4, which means I really care about authenticity. So how do you balance the desire to be authentic or honest and have intimacy with others, for example, that are close to you and also to be mindful of your thoughts and in your words and be sort of a master of those? In other words, the sort of caricature is somebody who's just like positive psychology to the max and all they do is say positive things. They won't ever allow themselves to express anything, quote, negative. And those people are just insufferable to be around at a certain point. Yeah. Well, I, I go back to the Stockdale paradox, which is something that Jim Collins talks about. And and the paradox is that the people that are most successful, the people that you know survive life's most difficult things are people that on the one hand recognize the most brutal reality of their current you know situation mm-hmm. so they acknowledge that on the one hand but they don't stop there and some people got get stuck in that story and that's a downward spiral mm-hmm. the other part of it is believing that that difficult situation is going to ultimately lead to your ultimate triumph right and could become something that's very helpful in the future i love that so you got to maintain both of those but what's helpful to me is is to differentiate between the facts or the circumstance yes. that you're in, and the story you're telling yourself right. about Back that, that situation. Right, to that Brown idea. Right? Mm-hmm. So somebody may have gone through something very difficult, and they need to acknowledge that. You know, there's no sense sweeping that under the rug. But if they're not careful, they can create a story. Mm-hmm. You know, we can dial up the drama or dial down the drama. You know, we can make it more intense or less intense. But then I think we have to be mindful about the interpretation or the meaning that we're placing on that. And those are pretty subjective. There are the facts, and then there's subjective interpretation of the facts, positively or negatively. And we can either tell a story that's constructive and that helps us become our best selves or not. I think that's really what you're saying. Yeah. Well, so for example, Dan Miller, author of 48 Days to the Work You Love and a good friend of ours, uh, he tells this story and he says, you know, there was this young man who grew up in a young Mennonite home where it was incredibly repressive. He didn't have access to TV, to the news, to a lot of contemporary books. And it was very legalistic. And, you know, he goes through all this negative stuff. He says, or this boy grew up on this farm where he didn't, because he didn't have access to the internet. He didn't have access to to, um, modern media. He read all these books and he became sort of self-educated. And, you know, it's a very positive outcome. Empowering. Well, this is his own story. Right. So he, he grew up, actually, it wasn't Am, uh, Mennonite, it was Amish. But he grew up in this situation. And he could interpret the facts of his own upbringing in a negative way mm-hmm. that would be completely debilitating and not empowering. Mm-hmm. Or he could interpret that as a gift. You know, what was the gift in that? And so Dan tells that story, and he does it much better than I did. But it's very dramatic and very powerful. It's a great example of the power of words. Hey, if you're enjoying this content, I want to share with you a resource I think you'll find particularly helpful. Do you desire to be a well-read leader or someone who reads consistently and retains just about everything? Hey, I mean, we all would. Many leaders know they should be reading consistently if they want to develop their leadership, but doing this on top of all the other daily responsibilities can be difficult, right? How do you know what books to read? How do you find the time? And how can you retain all that you've read? Well, that's exactly why we created Leaderbox. 
Leaderbox is a way to automate your professional development. It's a monthly curated reading experience for leaders created by leaders. Every month we deliver two books chosen by us to grow your leadership. We also provide an activation guide that delivers an executive summary, big ideas, salient quotes, and powerful questions for each chapter. Also in the box is a reading plan so you know exactly what to read each day to complete the book. And on top of all this is our amazing Facebook community. I love this community because it's a great place to talk about the books and see what others are learning. If you want to read more books twice as fast, then Leaderbox is your solution. You can find out more at leaderbox.com. So your thoughts become your words. That's principle number one. Principle number two is that your words become your thoughts. So we're seeing this feedback loop take shape. What's the third element? Yeah. So principle number three, your words and thoughts eventually become your actions. Mm. So our thoughts become actions in a rather direct, obvious way. So in a sense, your words are already an action that are already going to have an impact even if you didn't do anything else. But in another sense, anger and insults can easily turn to violence, right? Mm, Right. So in a larger, deeper way, your thoughts and your words together shape all of your actions. So if you're engaging in some action that you don't like, usually behind that, you're going to find words. Yeah. You're going to find thoughts that are shaping all that. Well, for example, like as a mother, I mean, this is probably um, something that parents can relate to. Um, Kids can be annoying. Right. Like Uh, that's just a fact. I'm sure I fell into that category at some point in my life. I I can either confirm or deny. (laughs) Well, as a mother of four, (laughs) I can confirm that this is true. Um, So can many of you listening. Um, You know, as a parent, though, we have the choice to either say about our children, gosh, they are so annoying. Every time they come into the room, whatever comes out of their mouth, it's irritating. It's annoying. You know, why can't you just be quiet or go away. Or you can frame that in your mind as they're so curious or they're becoming who they're going to be, or they're in the process of learning and they're precious, you know, and whatever your thoughts are and whatever your words are, are ultimately going to absolutely shape how you treat them. And I think that's true in our leadership. That's true in our parenting. That's true in our self-care and our marriages. It's true everywhere. So true. That reminds me of a book that uh, Zig Ziglar wrote years ago called Raising Positive Kids in a Negative World. And the subtitle was, Do You See the Mess or the Masterpiece? Right. You know, and the the picture on the front of the cover was a kid who had uh, drawn on the walls. (laughs) You know, and I mean, that's kind of like an innocent thing that kids do. Right. But your thinking about that will shape your response to it. Yes. Do you see the mess or the masterpiece? It's a great metaphor. Okay, so psychologists have documented an even deeper link between thought and action. In 2013, psychologists in the Netherlands studied women with an eating disorder. When the women walked through a doorway, they turned their shoulders and squeezed sideways, even though there was plenty of room. Why? Their self-story. I'm fat literally changed the way they carried themselves. And if you've ever known anybody that's lost a significant amount of weight, mm-hmm. they'll do this. Like, like I they have, have a, a phantom body. They have a phantom body. I have a friend who lost about over 200 pounds. And for a while after that happened, like for a year or so until he kind of realized, he would walk through narrow doors sideways like that, not realizing that he wow. could get through it with no problem. Man, what you think about yourself really uh, spills out even to your posture and the way you carry your body. True. So there was another key study that examined the brain science behind self-talk. Participants of the group that self-affirmed had increased activity in key regions of the brain's self-processing and valuation systems. 
This brain activity was a predictor of changes in behavior consistent with successful affirmations. So in other words, when you tell yourself you're fat and stupid, that's the way you behave. Kind of like my friend who was golfing. Right. But when you tell yourself you're smart and fit, you actually make healthier choices. Hmm. So positive words don't just reprogram our thoughts. They actually change our behavior. They do. In other words, one of the most powerful things we have is our beliefs, which is another kind of thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And we will always make our behavior try to conform to our beliefs. Right. So if we think we're stupid, if we think we're clumsy, if we think we're fat, all that, we're going to seek to make our behavior conform to that. So again, the way to change that behavior is to reprogram our thinking. Wow. So the question then for leaders is, what is my self-talk causing me to do or preventing me from doing? Where am I basically getting in my own way without even realizing it with my thoughts and words? Yeah. For example, you might be saying to yourself, I'm a terrible leader. Right. What you might say that would be authentic, but would also be affirmational, is I'm a growing leader. Right. I may not know everything I need to know about leadership, but I'm learning a little bit more every day. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's that's positive. And that gives you uh, kind of permission to continue to grow. You're, mm-hmm. Yes, you're going to make mistakes, but it's okay. You're growing and you're learning. I love that. So beyond your own behavior, there are also huge implications for your team totally. in terms of your thoughts and uh, your words. So what are some of those? Well, just think about this. When we affirm our team, and many of them struggle with self-doubt, Like maybe 100% of them. Yeah, like 100% of them. (laughs) That when we affirm them and say to them, you're smart, you guys are always so responsive, you guys amaze me, you wow me. And by the way, I say that quite a bit with our team right? because it's true. But notice the feedback loop. They start believing that too. Absolutely. They, They end up living into that affirmation. And then what we see is it carries down to the rest of our team. And it's amazing because everyone feels like they're on the best team ever. And I think that's genuine because there's just this amazing feedback loop of feeling affirmed, of feeling seen, of feeling, you know, kind of called out in a good way. Um, And that's critically important. I mean, as a leader, your words have the ability to give life or death to your team. And whatever you say or don't say is magnified. Well, and I think this is particularly important. I didn't plan to talk about this during this episode, but it's particularly important when people on your team experience failure. Yes. Oftentimes you have to help them process that. Yes. Because the self-talk, and again, depending on their particular personality type, can be brutal. Yes. You know, they can be incredibly bullying to themselves, Mm -hmm. um, not kind, not gracious with themselves. And I think one of the great gifts that we can give to the people that we're leading is to be a voice that counteracts that. Today, we've learned about the feedback loop that exists in your life and your leadership. Thoughts become words and words become thoughts. And together, they shape the actions you take and the outcomes you produce. As we come in here for a landing, I just want to remind you that only you can write the story that plays in your own head. So make it a good one. Dad, do you have any final thoughts for us? Well, I would just agree with what you just said. You know, I think it's helpful if we can separate the facts of our experience from the way that we're interpreting them and the way that we're thinking about them and to be mindful, very mindful about the narrative and the thinking that we're doing about those experiences because it's going to shape everything else, your words and your actions. 
As we close, I want to thank our sponsor, Leaderbox. It provides automated personal development in a box. Check it out at leaderbox.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, you can get the show notes and a full transcript online at lead2.win. Thanks again for joining us on Lead to Win. If you like the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about it. Leave a review of the show at michaelhyatt.com slash review it. We appreciate that so much. This program is copyrighted by Michael Hyatt and Company, all rights reserved. Our producer is Nick Jaworski. Our writers are Joe Miller and Lawrence Wilson. Our recording engineer is Mike Burns. Our production assistants are Alicia Curry and Natalie Fockle. Our intern is Winston. We invite you to join us next week when we'll explore the anatomy of a great decision. Until then, lead to win. So, Dad, those were some really stunning examples in our opener today. It's amazing how much power our words can have. Yeah, so much so. <laughs> Let's try it again. <laughs> <laughs>